Welcome to the Military Child Education Coalition podcast, the show that highlights a wide range of challenges and triumphs that our military-connected kids experience. My name is Nikki Harrison, and I'll be your host today. We would like to say thank you for the support of the Mountain Post Stasis Club for this episode. So I have Julie Butner here with me with the Terran Area Food Bank, and I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm Julie Butner. I'm the president and CEO of Terrence Area Food Bank. I'm an Army brat. I grew up in the military, came to Fort Worth to go to college, met my husband, got married, and we both were assigned in the military to Germany, which we spent our first three years in Germany and absolutely loved it. Made our way back to Fort Worth and just thrilled to be here. It's a great community. No children, unless you count the furry ones. I should also tell you that I'm a registered licensed dietitian. I spent most of my career in the healthcare industry, working with multinational companies. And uh, when I received a phone call four years ago um, asking me about this job, it is not a job that I ever would have naturally thought of, but got very excited about how my background and experience could come together and have really enjoyed my tenure here. Now, it certainly has been a whirlwind given the COVID pandemic, but it has been something that I feel I can get back to my community and a great staff and team of people who are very dedicated to helping others. I love that. I love that. Uh, and I was going to say, your fur babies count. Those count, <laughs> those count as kids. And I also wanted to say thank you for your service and for your husband's service as well. Could you tell us a little bit about the food bank? what you do, what's your mission in the community? The food bank started here in Tarrant area, actually Tarrant County, 41 years ago and was started very grassroots. A local community member was interested in connecting people who were food insecure to the very rich food industry that we have here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. She literally set up the nonprofit um, for dining room table and a community member came along and very graciously donated a warehouse and we had our first operations in that warehouse. Today, we cover 13 counties. There are 455,000 people in those 13 counties that are food insecure, meaning they go to bed at night wondering where their next meal is going to come from. It's always really easy, Nikki, to think about what can I compromise on if I'm struggling paycheck to paycheck? You can't really compromise on your rent. You need a roof over your head. You can't really compromise on your utilities. You need the bills to be paid so that the lights are on. Most of our families are working, and so they can't compromise on spending money on gas because they need to get to their job so that they can get a paycheck. But they can compromise on getting three meals seven days a week. And the sad thing about that is if an adult is making a decision to skip a meal and they have children, they're making that same decision for the children in their household. That's a little bit about Terranary Food Bank. We really started as a, a distribution center. So we received donations from over 300 partners that we have in the food industry. So it could be a distributor, 
It could be a grocery store, a retailer, it could be a manufacturer, and they bring their food to our warehouse in big truckloads. And when we get something that's donated from the food industry, it might be a whole freight liner of yogurt or a whole freight liner of bananas. And we can't take that directly into the community. So we have an 80,000 square foot distribution center. We bring that food in and we use volunteers to sort through it and create smaller varietal packs that our partner agencies can then order from us. And those partner agencies, we have over 500 partner agencies in our 13 counties. It could be anything from a church or a school, a healthcare clinic, they order from our online grocery store and then we deliver it to them where they come pick it up. But the great thing about having the partner agencies is that those agencies are located in neighborhoods where families who are food insecure can easily access the food that they need so that they are getting three meals a day, seven days a week. I love that it started at a kitchen table and that you've grown so much over the last 41 years or so to an online grocery store, which I think is absolutely amazing. So I love that you're doing some things that seem like best practices. Does food insecurity look different depending on where you live? You know, really, it is the same, whether you're living in a rural area or a metropolitan area, food insecurity can hit anyone, anywhere, at any time. Uh, you know, we saw this, you know, I'll give you an example from COVID. We saw middle class, middle income families that were faced with food insecurity for the first time because of the job loss that we saw across the country, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. I was recently on a phone call with the president and CEO of the Moncrief Cancer Institute, who shared with me that 32% of his patients are food insecure. And that came as such a surprise to me, and especially because I'm a dietitian. I hadn't stopped to think about it, that if you're somebody who is newly diagnosed with cancer and um, are faced with bills related to your treatment, whether that's um, oncology medication or radiation, um, that costs money, even if you do have health insurance. And so that's an unexpected income hit that now lands you in a place where you don't have enough money to pay for food. That's the nature of life. You know, life is crisis, and we all have dealt with crisis in our life, whether you're somebody who's lost a spouse or you suddenly have an illness uh, or an accident or an emergency that you were not anticipating that costs money. Our lowest income families sometimes can be faced with something as simple as uh, needing to replace a tire on the car or paying for a children's medical cost, and then suddenly they can't afford food. Our number one client at the food bank is Alice, and Alice stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. So the majority of the people that the Tarrant Area Food Bank serves are indeed employed. Sometimes they have two jobs, maybe even three jobs. But Alice is our number one client, and she is a female. She's a single mom, typically one or two kiddos at home, doing the very best she can to make it paycheck to paycheck. And one little obstacle can create a crisis for her, and suddenly uh, she doesn't have enough 
food for herself or for her family. Uh, retirees are another example. Retirees who are on a fixed income, you know, street cost inflation being double digit for the first time ever in our history. You can think about the retiree, the senior who's on a fixed income now suddenly the grocery bill is twice what it used to be. And that puts you in a predicament where now you're in crisis and you can't afford reading on seven days a week. It's not really location. It's really more about income. And if you have some obstacle that occurs in life that you're not anticipating, that suddenly is forcing you to spend money in areas where you haven't had to spend it before. Thank you for talking about some of those causal factors, because I know recently I read an article that talked about the you know, the one expense like a car repair that throws a family into becoming food insecure. And I think a lot of times we don't think about that. We don't think about that that could be something that could be very significant for a family and maybe they have limited savings to be able to pull from or no, no savings at all. So it's important. I wrote that down, this Alice that you just mentioned, because I think it's good to think about that, that it's not a location it's those other factors. And so earlier you talked about a family not being able to go without paying rent or gas or, you know, whatever it may be. Food seems to be the one piece that they can sometimes have to take money from, you know, or not spend the money on. And that it's not just affecting the adults, it affects the children as well. So I was just curious when schools are out in the summertime or on breaks and you have those kids that are maybe on free and reduced lunches and they don't have access does the food bank help support those students yeah that's a great question and it is a real problem and a real dilemma we always run big campaigns right when school's out and right before school starts so uh, summer hunger is a real problem and we see this all the time when children don't have access to those free and reduced breakfast, lunch, and now after school snacks. Uh, so the schools really supplement a lot of the food. And the way that we're getting involved and in trying to be supportive, one is we are now providing in-school pantries to our, our local public schools. We used to do something called a backpack program and found that the amount of food that we could fill a backpack with was not sufficient for the child, let alone the family. So you know if the child is hungry, the child is coming from a hungry household. And so having in-school pantries when mom and dad are dropping and picking up kids allows the food to be easily accessible in the neighborhood and parents as well as children can pick up more than just a backpack's worth of food. And the pantry's available five days a week. So that's one of the things that we're very focused on. In fact, we have a campaign right now called uh, Ready to Learn with a mission to double the number of in-school pantries in the next school year. So today we have 70, 72 in-school pantries with a goal of 150 before the school year is over. We also do mega mobile markets at the end of the school year and throughout the summer. 
at schools. Uh, you may have seen in the news, the drive-through models where cars can drive up and pop the trunk of their car and fill it with food. We're hoping that many of the schools will allow us to run our pantries through the summer months as well, because summer hunger is, is a real problem. Wow, you're doing so many things. And I love that you are making it more accessible for the families, that you're bringing it to the school, you're bringing it directly to the family that may have some challenges with traveling to, you know, a food bank that maybe they can't gain access to. So I, I like the idea of you bringing that to the actual schools. I think that's great. If a mom or a dad can pick up food when they're picking up the kiddos or when they're dropping the kiddos off, it just makes it more convenient and more accessible and less demanding on their lives. So we're very excited about our Ready to Learn program and the impact that we know it has for our, our highest needs at Federal um, Schools. Absolutely fantastic. I, I just really love that so much. And I feel like that they need to have that in my uh, school system district that my kids go to, because I think that would be really helpful and beneficial. So, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about when we were talking about food insecurity and donating food, and I started to think about nutrition and, you know, how important that plays in a healthy and uh, the healthy growth of your body. So does healthy nutrition play a part in food insecurity? Do we think of it that way or do we think about just, you know, those kind of random canned food items that maybe we have in our pantry that I feel like a lot of individuals donate and maybe not so much always thinking about nutrition and healthy foods? Yeah, you know, there's a real evolution with that. And so you've said a lot there, so I'll, I'll respond in a couple of ways. We really don't take individual community member food donations anymore. If you think about, we have 455,000 people that we support in our 13 counties. We're really heavily reliant on the food industry to bring the big truckloads full of food and the federal and state government in this support of um, the Farm Bill, which is where all the nutrition programs reside is under that Farm Bill. And about half of all of the support that we receive comes from money that's allocated from the federal government through the Farm Bill, including the nutrition program. So there's a program called SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, the uh, old food stamp program, if you will, is now called SNAP. For every one meal that I can provide as a food bank, SNAP provides nine meals. And so if you were eligible, and I have a team of people here at the food bank who help facilitate SNAP enrollment, if you were eligible, then you can take uh, your SNAP EBT and take it to the grocery store and buy your groceries at your local grocery store using your SNAP card. And again, that's got far more purchasing power than the food bank has. And so that's the very best. In fact, the, the nation's number one defense against food insecurity is SNAP. Concurrent to that, and as things have evolved, you know, when food banking started 41 years ago at Tarrant area, we started as just a massive distribution house. 
over time, we've recognized that what we provide is equally important because it's a contributor to the health and well-being of the people that we are supporting. And the federal government has realized that as well. And so they have a program called SNAP Education. And those SNAP Education grant funds come to the food bank. I have a staff of five dietitians and, and some additional coordinators that go into communities and they're teaching about food and nutrition. And so the food component is more about, you know, how do I stretch my dollar? How can I get the most out of purchasing food and then preparing the food in a way that really stretches out the value of that food? I was surprised to learn during the pandemic that we have a whole generation of young people that are growing up without fresh food. And so they lived on the value meals because they're cheaper. They're not time consuming because again, our number one client is Alice. She's working two, sometimes three jobs, doesn't have time. So we have a whole generation of young people who are growing up, not understanding what fresh food is, what it looks like. I, this is a true story, Nikki. During COVID, I had a woman, I uh, was waiting in her car, was at one of our big uh, local distributions. She rolled down her window, leaned out the window, held out this beautiful beak, held it out, and she said, what is this? And I had the stalk on it still, the stem. What is this? Do I bite into it? Do I eat this like an apple? Is it like a tomato? You know, what in the world is it? She had no idea. And so that is part of what the nutrition education is. It's food and nutrition education. Here is a beak. You know, here's how to boil it. Here's how to eat it raw. Here's how to chop it. Here's how to slice it. We call those types of supports, which is, again, an evolution of food banking called Ending Hunger Programming. And so part of it is SNAP education. Part of it is job training programs. We have an 80,000 square foot warehouse facility. So we have a forklift program where people can learn how to be a warehouse distribution center employee and go out and gain good employment. Those jobs typically pay $25 an hour. We have a lot of warehouses in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So we help them get certified and then we send them out into the workforce. We also have a food service job training program. Folks go through our program, they become certified in cooking and they can go out and have that on the resume as a leg up to get a higher paying wage in the food industry. So that's all wrapped up underneath our Indie Hunger Program Solutions. Going back to your original question about nutrition, you know, making sure that the food we receive, we actually have a nutrition policy. So the food that we receive is nutritious. Our last year, 90% of the food we distributed fall under uh, a definition of nutrition as defined by Feeding America. Another little side note from the healthcare perspective, um, healthcare in this country is now 19% of gross domestic product. It's a very expensive proposition for this country. A large percentage of the families and community members that we serve are also part of the uninsured community. And so they tie very naturally together. And I'm very, very proud of healthcare partnerships that we have built in the last two years. I think we now have 32 different healthcare partners where we have healthcare pantries inside of their clinics. Uh, we're helping with nutrition and food education. 
And we're about to embark on something called medically tailored meals that will be produced for diabetic and hypertensive community members that need specialty meals. And this is made possible through a grant from CVS Pharmacy. It's a big initiative for us. Again, I'm a dietitian, so this is something I feel very passionately about, but I also have a, a staff of dietitians and a staff of ending hunger program members that are out in the community, helping the community understand about food nutrition. Great question. Great answer, because honestly, I'm like impressed. I feel like I've written down so many programs and services that you are participating and involved in. And I just think it's so important. It's, you know, education, education, access to the resources, talking about the different types of foods, what's healthy nutrition. I think a lot of times, you know, we think eating healthy is expensive, is costly when we talk about all, you know, organic foods and and things like that, um, or just fresh fruits and vegetables can be costly. But it's nice that there's some education that's happening with the families and with the students. Because I think about in the school system, you know, that setting of starting to teach kids when they're very young about what healthy foods look like, what nutrition is is i think fantastic i just think that's amazing it really is and you know one thing i did not mention nikki is we are also heavily involved in local community gardens we have a, a garden community network of close to 100 different community gardens in our 13 counties and so those forums allow us you know when people want to come together and say hey we want a local garden that we can grow produce and actually pull it and eat it and use it right here in the community we can help connect them to resources where they can get a garden started i've got a horticulturist on staff who has the ability to design gardens based on the plot of land that you have available for the garden and then it's a great teaching tool, you know, especially for the kiddos. You know, we have these garden education workshops and they're for adults, but they're also for children so they can get their hands dirty and in the soil and have a better understanding of where their food is coming from. I love a community garden. So that made me just smile really big when you said that. So food banks serve as a vital resource in a local community, an important resource in our local communities. If a community doesn't have a food bank, do you have any suggestions for where they would begin? I'm sure that every community has a food pantry or a food bank. So Tannery Food Bank is part of a network of food banks under the umbrella of Feeding America. And that network is made up of 200 food banks across the United States. Within the state of Texas, there are 21 food banks that fall under the Feeding America umbrella. Uh, and these 21 food banks band together under an organization called Feeding Texas in Austin. And then we have this network of partner agencies that I mentioned earlier, as does every food bank. And so the partner agency is that local nonprofit that resides inside of the community, Boys and Girls Club, the healthcare clinic, local churches, local schools. 
And so if community members are looking for food resources in Tarrant area, they can go to our website and then there's a find food link. They just click onto that and they type in their zip code. If they're not in the Tarrant service area, they can go to the Feeding America website and there is a find food button on their website. And again, just simply type in the zip code. You'll be taken to that local food bank and that local food bank will have the same thing, find food, and all of their partner agencies would be listed by zip code. So you just type in your zip code and eventually you would get there. I am confident that there is a food pantry or a food bank in every community in the United States. That is good to hear. And I love that there's an option to type in a zip code because I think sometimes you may have an individual that you know, doesn't know about the resource in their community or where it's located and having an easy, accessible way to find it is really great. And I like that you mentioned the partner agencies, because I think that's important to talk about that there's all these partner agencies that are also working with those local food banks and food pantries as well. Could you tell us what programs or events that you have ongoing or coming up specifically for our military and veteran families? Because we know food insecurity affects that community as well. Yeah, I'm very, very proud of the work that we do with the military active duty, our military veterans and our military retirees. We're engaged in many ways. Of course, we have a joint reserve base that is in the backyard of the Tarrant Area Food Bank. We support that base with a food pantry. We also have a um, garden at the base that we help support. We do nutrition and food education at the base. And every year at Thanksgiving, we are supported by Holidays and Heroes and the Air Power Council with funding to buy turkeys, And then we use our donated products to supplement that. And we host a very large Thanksgiving mega roll distribution once a year at the base, which draws hundreds of families out for this free giveaway for those who qualify. But beyond that, we're also very much engaged with the Veterans Administration here locally and Veterans Services, which is here locally. Again, we do pantries at those locations. We have um, holiday distributions at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we're in just lots of conversations about the many other ways that we can support. It's another area, Nikki, that we have always given some degree of support to the military families, but not to the degree that we are today. And what really changed during COVID, Terranary Food Bank could not have volunteers in our volunteer center because it was a confined space. And we rely on 80,000 people to volunteer at the food bank every year. And so it was a huge hurt. Like, how are we going to get this food repackaged without our volunteers? And one of the hardest things I had to do in the first few months of my job is to write a letter to Governor Abbott asking for the support of the military through the reservists. And so we had 90 men and women who supported the food bank during the pandemic. The first group was with the Air Force. And then the second unit was with the Army. But in both instances, there were 90 men and women deployed to help the Terranary Food Bank. And it just called to our attention the need to return that favor. 
And so we have gone far more engaged with the military. How amazing that you were able to get those volunteers. And I wrote down 80,000. That's a lot of volunteers annually that you have. And it's great that you're doing some things going towards the holidays, because I think about it's November now. We're moving into that season where there's a lot of traditions that center around food, Thanksgiving on into December. And so it's nice that there's some things that you're doing to give back to those families during this time of year in particular. Yeah. You know, low-income families during the holidays are making decisions about horses and expectation that you have a special meal for the holiday and the tradition that it implies. And at the Christmas holidays, uh, if you have children at home, it's Christmas time. And so now I'm expected to buy Christmas gifts along with this special meal. And so it really, it's, it's one of those situations where if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're trying to stretch the dollar, it really puts a pinch on the household budget. And for Alice and for some of our low wage earners, this is a great opportunity for us to return a favor. But the loss of those volunteers and the supplement from the military made such an impression for us because we would not, we just simply would not have been able to feed the incredible increase that we experienced when people lost their jobs. We just would not have had the manpower to get the food to people who were struggling. It highlighted for us that we really need to be doing more with our military community. And concurrent to that, we had some organizations that are very dedicated to military families who stepped forward and said, we will support you financially to, to help with these services that you're interested in providing. And it's just really expanded and morphed and we're, we're doing a lot. We have a lot of military in this community. We have a base, yes, but we also have a lot of retirees that retire here. And we have a lot of veterans that land here. It's an important population for us. And we're very, very grateful to have support from other organizations to provide these great distributions and services to our military families. Absolutely. And I know it's appreciated so much. I, I really do, especially for our military families. So we've talked about so much and Terran Area Food Bank is doing incredible things. I, like I said, I have written down so many programs and services and I'm just so impressed. Is there anything unique though that your food bank is doing to alleviate hunger in the community? You know, I think where we're headed with ending hunger programs is very, very unique. Not all food banks have the ability to have the partnerships within the healthcare space, within the military space. But something that's really, really uh, different that we have embarked on is an agricultural hub. During the pandemic, really before the pandemic, we had Texas Department of Agriculture, Feeding America, had approached us about being a agricultural hub because of where we reside on the highway system. And at the time, we didn't have the funding to even think about it. And then the pandemic hit and, you know, it went to the back burner. But we have purchased a piece of property near our campus that is in the final phases of being retrofit, big walking cooler that will be able to house thousands and thousands of cows of produce. We are part of a produce cooperative that is based in the Valley, South Texas. We're also part of a produce cooperative in um, Nogales in Arizona. 
that produce will be shipped to us in bulk and we receive some of it now, but we will be receiving a lot more of it. It will be repackaged just as our other food product is repackaged from inside of a cooler because produce has a shorter shelf life. And then that produce will go out into our communities and increase the amount of produce that we provide to our community from 29% of everything we distribute to 35% of everything we distribute in the first year alone. And then from there, it is our intention to be a part of this Feeding America network of hugs so that surplus produce from my two cooperatives, the one in Brownsville and the one in Gallus, can then be used to supply Oklahoma, who has a beef hub, and Arkansas, who has a chicken hub. And so this exchange of produce for protein will occur, which ensures that the community members that I'm supporting really have very nutritious food coming to them, which has an impact on their health and well-being, of course, our, our healthcare system. So it's really a stake in the ground, uh, something very unique to Territory of Food Bank, and definitely a stake in the ground that we have said, you know, we want to be sure that we're providing nutritious food, and we're going to make an investment in the network to do a better job of sharing food across borders and across food banks so that all people who have food insecurity can receive more nutritious food. That is definitely unique and such an innovative idea. I I just love the idea of having the hubs and amazing that Taryn Area Food Bank is able to be able to participate in that. So I, I think that's fantastic. You too. So, yeah. I know it is exciting. I was starting to think like, oh my gosh, there's so many things that you could do with that and grow that in the future. So my last question for you is one of, I feel like it's like the lottery question. Like if you had a billion dollars, if you want a million dollars, what would you do with it? But if you had unlimited resources and money, what would you do first? Like if you were able to have that access at the food bank, what would you do? You know, I, I think if I had unlimited resources, I would want to try to spend more time on root causes of food insecurity. Like, why do we have food insecurity in this country? We shouldn't. We have enough food to feed everybody. So what are the things that, you know, put people in a position where they're food insecure? We shouldn't see that here. And what are the preventative measures that we could take, you know, to, to keep it from happening? I, I mean, I'd love to work myself out of a job. You know, how do we do that? How do we get to addressing those policies, systems, and environmental changes that are necessary to keep people out of this predicament in the first place? That is absolutely important and something that I didn't think about. Absolutely something that would be fantastic to look into and research. And of course, not necessarily work you out of a job, but, but you know, be able to have a solution for something that is such a, a big issue in our country. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your knowledge and everything that Terran Area Food Bank, I think you are the gold standard, it seems like, for food banks. So um, it's really amazing everything that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. It's really kind. I appreciate your words. And uh, thank you for thinking of me to talk to you on your podcast. 
I'd like to thank Julie for her time today as I've really enjoyed our conversation. And Tarrant Area Food Bank is really doing some amazing things in their local community. We're taking a week off from the podcast and we'll be back on November 28th. And we would like to wish everyone a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, and give today's show a five-star rating. And don't forget to leave us a comment on topics you'd like to hear more about. We'd like to give a special thanks again to the Mountain Post Spouses Club for supporting this episode and Consentus Media for audio mixing. I'm Nikki Harrison, and until next time, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Be kind.